Dr. Matthew Muir got his veterinary degree from Charles Sturt University in Australia in 2010. After a few years in mixed practice in Australia, he relocated to the UK to spend a few years doing dairy practice, small animal emergency and critical care work, and small animal private practice. He then returned to Sydney, Australia to join All Natural Vet Care, an integrative small animal practice with an emphasis on preventive health through nutrition and other natural therapies. He embraces the One Health concept and is interested in sustainable food production, ecology, and natural diets for pets. He's the co-founder of the Leica Pet Food Company, whose mission is to combine science and sustainable ingredients to formulate outstanding quality meals for home delivery. Please enjoy this conversation with Dr. Muir as we discuss his veterinary school experience, his various practice experiences, and his current professional activities in private practice, the Leica Food Company, and exotic animal rehabilitation and conservation. Dr. Muir, thanks for joining me today. Uh, my pleasure. How are you? Good, thank you. So where were you born? I was born in Griffith uh, in Australia, so a regional town, an agricultural town about seven hours inland by car from Sydney on the east coast of Australia. Was it uh, always in your mind that you wanted to be a veterinarian? Yes. I was the classic three-year-old kid um, pestering my parents for lots of pets. And yeah, I, I said that I wanted to be a vet when I was three. Um, and then uh, apart from a brief stint um, during secondary school when I was around 14, 15, thinking that I wouldn't get the marks. Um, I thought I'd do something else, but then sort of got back on track and and uh, gave it a, a good go and, and got into vet school. Was uh, was it difficult to get in or? Yeah, you, I think the, the, the competition in Australia, I, I, I think, is reflective of, of in the States. Um, so, yeah, it needed um, quite a good academic record. Uh, but fortunately, the university that I went to, Charles Sturt University in Wagga, um, which I was in the first year, so it was a new, brand new course, um, they sort of undertook a different strategy whereby they, they sort of looked at both the academic um, prowess, if you will, but also um, an interview system where, we're looking for, where they're looking really for passion and people that wanted to, to really do it. And so the marks weren't as high as the other universities um, and uh, was able to uh, sort of I wouldn't have got the marks that I needed to get into the other universities, um, but because it was more selective based on interviews um, and demonstrating experience and passion, that sort of thing, um, was able to get in straight away. So I started vet school when I was 17. And you probably figured out, I mean, grades aren't everything once you're in, in school. No, you know, no, I think so. I mean, it, the... Uh, as I sort of got more awareness of the um, career advisory, like I, I knew that there was a, a possibility of starting something else and then transferring to vet. But um, fortunately, I was able to hit the ground running and, and go straight from high school into vet school. That's cool. Um, how many were in your class? Uh, there was 45 in our class, um, which was amazing. And there was no years above us. So we were really fortunate to have a lot of contact time and um, really grow the culture of the school um, alongside all of the academics. And it was a very close-knit group. Great, great fun. And and that was in a in a sort of regional university town um, about 
uh, five hours inland from Sydney. Um, so it was, it was very close knit and, and I really enjoyed it. It was, um, a problem-based learning curriculum, um, which was sort of at, at the three-year mark, we swapped from sort of didactic um, lecture-based learning through to a case study model. Uh, and the other great thing about the university, which I reflect back on and think, no, that was that was really awesome, was that we we started going into practice in first year. Um, I think one Friday, every second Friday, we we're in, in practice observing, so we we're really able to sort of sponge up. Um, quite a lot um over over the whole duration of the the course rather than just the kind of final year uh, and third year rotation so I, I think that in retrospect that that was great i bet that was really good just to help keep your motivation up and see where to to apply the things that you were learning yeah, I think they just wanted us to have um, a reality check <laughs> early on about uh, what uh, what uh, veterinary a veterinary career um, might look like. Um, obviously, there's other uh, career options apart from clinical practice, but certainly they wanted us to get exposed to that early. Um, and because it was in a regional area, a lot of the regional vets around us were quite excited about it because there was a, a real um, need for um, more vets. Um, so they were quite excited to sort of help um, foster um, a group of vets to, to potentially um, uh, employ one day. So did the school have its own clinic or were you going out into the field? Uh, both. Yeah. 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 So, um, so we've got some nice brand new buildings. Um, so yeah, that, that all sort of started up during, during our um, time there. What sort of medicine, did you have an idea of what sort of medicine you wanted to practice when you left school? Um, I did. I like when when I so the university was very food um, animal production focused, um, which I love now. Considering I'm uh, very into um, small animal nutrition, um, I actually did my uh, an honors dissertation stream in my final year, uh, which was uh, on the role of uh, microbiome for health in in uh, uh, sheep medicine. So I was looking at doing, I was looking at moving more into uh, ho- uh, farm consulting um, and then uh, doing mixed practice and, and really seeing where it took me very, was very interested in doing some conservation medicine um, in the future, which I still very much am. Um, so just really, I think that to answer your question, I think I was having quite a holistic sort of broad um, look at what possibilities were when I was at uni um, and still on my journey to sort of try and incorporate as much of um, all of these elements into my career as I can. That's really good that you got a kind of a broad-based thing, things that uh, play to your to your interests for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, uh, mostly small animal medicine nowadays, um, uh, some conservation medicine on the horizon, um, been accepted to do a master's in that. So just, uh, waiting to find the appropriate time to, um, put that onto my schedule. Um, but yeah, really love. And I think when I talk to a lot of people that either have like a zoo medicine background or a, um, uh, farm production, background that sort of move into small animal medicine i think the the thing is in small animal medicine um it traditionally i guess it might be a bit different now and and, and certainly there's a spectrum of um how uh, into nutrition vets are but uh, the the farm animal vets uh, the first question when there's a problem that they ask is um is what what have they been eating whereas it, it tended to be the kind of last thing that's that's asked in small animal medicine so i think vets that come from that background um really sort of 
have that insight into the role of nutrition. Um, and the other thing with that um, is that certainly we're taught at university around farm animal consulting to be talking about saying, okay, well, we could be talking about um, getting your cattle into the appropriate body condition score at 10 a.m. in the morning over a coffee, very civilised, or we could be called out to a calving at 3 a.m. in the morning. And so that upstream preventative medicine concept, which I really am trying to uh, champion with my client base and the pet guardians that come to see me now days in Sydney, um, that really was born out of uh, what I sort of learned about large animal medicine. There's a lot, uh, there's a lot of crossover, you know, when you think about between large and small and what you can apply both ways for sure. Yeah. And I think that, um, I think the population level medicine as well, um, because even if it's just in the sort of microcosm of our client, uh, of our clinics, like as a, like I, I'm a director of a small animal hospital. Um, so I can look at the sort of population dynamics about, okay, how many uh, animals in our clinic are doing cruciates or how I, being diagnosed with diabetes, which is fortunately very, very, very low because um, I'm a champion for whole food medicine and, and we don't see a lot of um, whole food nutrition, sorry, we don't see a lot of um, obesity and certainly not a, uh, a lot of canine um, diabetes at all in our clinic. Oh, that's great. So where did you go after graduation? Uh, so after graduation, I went home for a couple of years. I worked in true um, mixed practice. So except for dairy, there was no dairy. It was a, it was a sort of um, more of a dry area, um, uh, rangeland style of um, large animal medicine. So I did equine, small animal, lots of emergency, um, very mixed bag, um, uh, uh, very differing socioeconomic groups um, were my client based in my first two years out of uni. Um, I lived at home, which was amazing because my parents fed me well. Um, I don't think I've been <laughs> with uh, 80-hour weeks and uh, every second night and weekend on call. It was, it was very intense and, and probably too steep a learning curve. I'd, I, if I had my time again, I would have rein that in a little bit um but i got a very diverse um cementing of uh, a lot of particularly a lot of emergency because there was at the time there was a, a mouse plague um and the they were they ended up airdropping both uh, initially rodenticides but then snail bait out of planes um because of this mouse plague um so i had six months of of um acute rodenticides one Saturday night when I was a new grad, I had like 10 animals on blood transfusions. It was insane. It was insane. To uh. uh, but the, the great thing was after that two years, I, I then moved to uh, London. No, sorry, I moved to the UK. I did a bit of dairy work um, just because I wanted to sort of cement um, my skill set across like the broadest range as possible in my first few years out of uni. So I, I went and did some dairy because I hadn't done any of that in Australia. Uh, and then I eventually sort of moved, I did a bit of locuming and experienced various sort of mixed practice. I did the kind of James Herriot Yorkshire style practice for a little while. And then I ended up in London where I actually started working um, doing uh, overnight emergency and critical care work in a, in a, uh, big uh, specialist hospital um so i did that for a few years um and then yeah did a couple of years working in internal medicine sorry um in general practice in the uk in london um which was great and and very very upstream with uh, nutraceuticals and and starting to sort of build 
build in whole food nutrition into the practice there. We had a physiotherapist, veterinary physiotherapist at the time. Um, and then I moved back to Australia after about five years, uh, four and a half years I was in the UK. But it sounds pretty enjoyable and it, and it sounds like you learned a lot. Yeah, absolutely. It was, um, yeah, it's good to to get that experience of working um, in a different country. And and the UK, uh, the, the culture of having pets um, at the time, like the culture of having pets inside and having exotic pets, and there's a little a bit more of an open-mindedness, I think, in on the whole for herbalism in the UK. I think it's got more of a, a, a sort of particularly like the wild crafting culture of herbalism over there is, and uh, it's more, I think it's more accepted, um, uh, uh, more normalized in the UK than elsewhere in the world. Sure. Sure. So, and then back to Australia. Yes. And you joined the practice in Sydney. I uh, did about six months back in uh, my regional practice. Um, it, it sort of thought, okay, uh, kind of done with uh, London, like done with the big city. So I went back to uh, to my hometown and not, did another six months there, but I just couldn't really find um, the right balance between the the level of medicine that I wanted to practice because at that time I'd already started doing uh, herbal medicine and nutraceuticals and um, a lot of nutritional counselling. I'd been doing it sort of uh, bits and pieces through my career, but uh, then I was sort of wanting to plan my next step and I was thinking about opening um, like a wellness centre or a dog gym um, sort of concept in, in Sydney. Uh, and then a job came up at All Natural Vet Care, um, uh, which I uh, applied for and, and got and um, the rest is history. <laughs> so you've been there, what, four or five years? Five years, like? yeah. 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 So how many doctors were on staff when you joined? Uh, there was two. So Barbara Fuzier, uh and Karen Goldrick. So Barbara, um, who founded the practice, Karen, and then I came on board as um, their surgeon because I just sort of inundated with um, the the need to consult as experienced integrative vets. It wasn't sort of uh, the right allocation of resources for them to be doing surgery. So I came on board as their surgeon with the intention that they would um, sort of show me the ropes to build me up to be able to do the full holistic service that we offer um and uh, i'd sort of been doing a bit of self-directed learning and um i'd, I'd done a, a couple of externships when i was at university with people using tcvm and and acupuncture uh, acupuncture and racehorses in singapore actually um and i'd been using herbal medicine on myself and my pets since i was a kid so um i was uh, sort of ready to go um and barbara saw that which was awesome and and offered to mentor me um and then i just um yeah really started growing from there what a great place to land to solidify that sort of interest though huh yeah yeah so <laughs> yeah sure. so i know i know you have an interest in dentistry were you doing dentistry before you got to uh, your current practice or did that pick up then um well the it actually slowed down the the actual dentistry uh procedural work slowed down eventually um and i no longer do it i actually have um a, another surgeon that i on refer internally refer to nowadays because uh, similar to barbara and karen like I, i'm needed to to do the the consulting um because that's that's what the where where we need um like our unique skill set or our not many people have our skill set um so 
uh, at the time, like prior to coming to into the practice, when I was in the UK, I was working under um, a boarded um, dental specialist um, and and doing quite a bit of dentistry in the UK. Um, but then as and trying to get the trying to get the sustainable, achievable, effective home um, dental hygiene strategies on board as much as possible in a, in a conventional setting. Um, and then, but then when I moved uh, at, into all natural and, and started really going deep with the preventative healthcare um, and, you know, working in a practice where 99% of my clients are uh, kibble free um, uh, and on natural diets and, and, able to do the cooperative care training and able to do dental interventions um, at home, um, a lot of the periodontal works really dried up. That's great. So that must have been a great experience working with a boarded dentist though. It was, but uh, I'd say that the experience of working um, with uh, integrative vets who do whole food nutrition was more insightful because um, I think that uh, it's the when when I've when I sort of zoom out now and look at all of the um, health problems that I was seeing in a conventional setting, um, not not necessarily related to the border dentist, and that was certainly interesting. Um, and they they were. Um, uh, you know, looking at the like healthy mouth and a few of the the more um, herbal products at the time, but uh, yeah, looking back to how medicine, like the prevalence of the disease processes that I was seeing, particularly in London, with I think the like urban stress um, compared to what I see now, is it's it's actually amazing the difference of between working in conventional practice for five uh, for more than five years and then working in an integrative practice for five years. Just some diseases we just don't. See like we don't see blocked cats very rarely um we we don't see canine diabetes we rarely see hemorrhagic gastroenteritis even though we have a lot of dogs on raw diets um we we rarely see cruciates um we rarely see obesity um it's it's really amazing so how i i I have to confess my ignorance how old is the practice that you're in now how long of that when did barbara found the practice 17 years 18 years so there's a long period of owner education in there that's kind of paid off now for the kind of cases you see or don't yeah, see. Yeah, and, and I think that it's we're at a position now um, where we are sort of onto the second generation of, of, of pets for a lot of our um, uh, longstanding um, pet guardian clients. Um, so the, there's a lot of people, I mean, a lot of, like, I mean, we see some very ill animals because we see the sort of tertiary opinions, um, the last resort opinions, the terminal uh, scary diagnoses. Um, we get a lot of that, um, you're our last hope kind of um, intake of, of new clients. However, um, what's really cool is that now, 17 years down the track, 18 years down the track this year, um, we have people who may have found out about us in the middle of the night after a splenic hemangiosarcoma diagnosis, um, bless them, uh, um, uh, years ago, um, and then they they come to us and, and we do what we can. Um, but then when they get the next generation of pets, they come to us and they say, "All right, let's do this healthy start. Like we've, we've, we want to we want to try and be as upstream about preventative medicine as possible without getting crazy and obsessive and neurotic about it. But we want to um, just be really sensible and 
and, and do this um, do this from the start. So we've got that whole culture of of very um, open minded um, clients who come to us upstream. Uh, and the awesome thing now, and and certainly after COVID, we've had a lot of of new. Um, pets uh in in sydney so a lot of people now are coming in with and they which i love because i love to see them as soon as possible ideally i'd like to control the nutrition of the great grandmother of the animals that i meet and down the line but essentially people come in and their their puppies had like a low grade or like a chronic clostridial enterotoxicosis or um, some emerging behavioural problems um, and they, they sort of come for a, a full integrative um, approach with, with a 16-week-old puppy trying to dodge that course of metronidazole, which is going to sort of wipe out their clostridium heronis and, and really set them up for try and sort of mitigate and dodge the the progressive disease that that otherwise would would happen so i i love it i love seeing half of my animals are really well um and where we try and keep them well um and really amazing highly motivated um, pet guardians and then the other half are animals that have scary diagnoses which we or clients who are really burnt out and really at a loss about what can be done and and we say okay well you know this is this is the evidence base um, this is what we've got to work with this is what we could try um, and let's see if we can improve their quality of life and manage whatever is going on as a chronic disease if it's cancer we just try and put it in the shadows particularly for um, geriatric patients um, we just want to be giving them a great life and and I find that like I practice on a daily basis I'll be practicing uh, acupuncture targeted nutritional counseling um, uh, nutraceuticals, TCVM, Western herbalism, um, and then if I need some some drug therapy, some strategic drug therapy, um, and then lots of behavioural modification, and and that's that's what I do on a daily basis, uh, and it's it's great. That's a really nice mix of of cases. Just on a practical aspect, are are you able to let clients into the building? now with COVID? Yes. Yes. At the moment we are, we're, we're doing like a limited contact. So we're, we're, we're at a point now um, where we were doing some drive-through service for a little while. And, and I do a fair bit of telemedicine anyway, um, but um, and had been doing for quite a long time because particularly nutrition is very amenable to um, telehealth um, or telemedicine. Um uh, but yes, we're, we've got clients in the building just for our longer intake consultations because an initial holistic consult in our clinic is allocated an hour of time. So just for social distancing, we're sort of starting the consultation via um, a phone call from the next room and then and, and then going in for the physical exam. Oh, that's interesting that you can cut down on your on your time that way, the exposure time. Yes. Yeah, but still meet the client in person, which I think is really important, you know, to be able to see someone face-to-face. Clients really, really need that. I think so. Um, I mean, there's, uh, I mean, I, I do think that there's a lot that can be done with telehealth, um, uh, uh, but that's when there's, they've been to a vet physically and I can get the medical record and, and sort of audit the, um, the physical exam findings and, um, and look at the, the blood work particularly. Um, but, yeah, there, there's a lot that you can learn and observe from being in the room with a, a, a human and, and their animal, assessing their bond, assessing the stress levels, the tension, the, 
the leadership, um, uh, uh, how, how much leadership the pet looks to their, like how much information they're seeking from their guardian. Um, and, yeah, I think it, and then obviously um, uh, you can't do acupuncture via or myofascial release via um, telehealth at this point. We'll see where technology goes there. Oh, yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you real quickly about your the program you did uh, at the University of Illinois. Yeah, yeah. So I did um, a, a sustainable food development um, course because, it, like I said earlier, like I I, um, I really subscribe to the eco health um, uh, and one health sort of paradigms with regards to health, and particularly the eco health. And and I sort of look at saying, okay, well, I work in um, integrative companion animal medicine. And I plan to do it long term. However, I also have these uh, on a triangle of saying we've got um, uh, animal wellness um, uh, at one part of the triangle, um, sustainable food production at one part and animal conservation at the other part. And I look at this triangle and this this paradigm of eco health um, and sort of human health, I guess, could be somewhere in the middle of the triangle um, because uh, human health is is related to all three, obviously, in that um, well, not maybe not so obvious, but um, there's a lot of uh, in like translational medicine insights that we can get from our pets for naturally occurring disease. It's very validated in the evidence base, um, and we see that humans, uh, through their decision making and support, can support animal conservation. And I think that um, small animal medicine can support it as well. And then obviously the, the sustainable agriculture. Um, which is why I did this food development, uh, food uh, production course, sustainable food development course um, from Illinois, um, just to sort of understand that. Um, and also because I'm co-founder of a whole food pet food company called Lyka, L-Y-K-A, um, I wanted to be in a position where I, I was really up to date with understanding agriculture um, and and decision making around supply chains and, and nutrient sourcing um, and and that sort of thing. So just sort of building my career to be very much seen through the eco-health lens of saying, okay, we can help humanity, we can help animals, and we can help the environment at the same time, all through strategic um, triple win-win-wins. Great. And you actually led me right into my next question was, tell me tell me about your involvement with the, with the pet food company. Yeah, so um, the pet food company I've been doing since 2018, um, a motivated uh, pet guardian um, who'd been working internationally, was struggling to find pet food for her dog as she travelled. So she started home preparing and she was blown away at the health benefits of um, of, of her dog. Um, and so then she came back to Australia and was like, we need to sort of start this up so she contacted me through all natural vet care our practice and said would you be interested in doing this and I was like yes yes definitely because I want like I've always wanted to do pet food I just need to moderate how many projects I can do without burning out Um, but I was like I can't wait for um I can't wait for every animal to come to my clinic and sit down and for me to talk about the the value of um, better nutrition um, and certainly, unfortunately, not everyone can afford that um, and uh, a, a lot of people just won't 
be able to get in to, to hear about that. So to to be able to help more animals by looking at doing production, um, food production um, and using, uh, and, and I said to her, look, I'll, I'll do it, but it needs to be um, really whole food. It needs to be sustainably sourced. It needs to be biologically appropriate. Um, and she was up for it. Um, our values aligned and, and we did it um, and really, really started to to filter in as much bioactive superfoods as possible and and it's looking really good and it really complements um my work at all natural vet care um even though a lot of the time at all natural um my clients will be up for home preparing um is so we don't need a commercial option but it's just i just wanted to have more commercial options that sort of aligned with um what i saw as um as best practice nutrition from my clinical judgment and and increasingly fortunately the evidence base that's really nice to be able to have a a number of options nutritionally to offer your clients Totally. And the great thing about Australia is like there's there's quite a good strong culture of um of particularly raw here um uh, with the bath movement and um yeah I think uh, Australians in general are uh, quite pragmatic to um uh, about more more of what I dare to say common sense um, nutrition for their pets. How did that differ from uh, your time in the UK? Um, well, in the UK, I think, I think because Australia is just a little bit uh, closer to being, um, to agriculture just because of space and things. And I guess because I grew up in a, uh, a regional area where people were like, yeah, of course dogs can eat, um, bones, uh, chuck them on the, on the grass on, in the backyard or, um, yeah, my dogs are farm dogs and yeah, they, we, we, uh, slaughter a sheep and they eat it. Like, of course they can eat. Um, raw meat um when i was in london i found that people were quite disconnected from that um and and yeah so it was a battle um in clinic in london you know conventional clinics to be like i think that you should not really, like people were up for it but it just it was a lot harder to explain to people the value of increasing the plane of nutrition um to mitigate the chronic disease burden that they were seeing with their pets gotcha and so and how how was your vet school experience with it? You know, typically here in the U S we're exposed, students are exposed to the commercial companies from day one. Was there a big push? Did you, did you have that in school, in your school as well? We did. Yeah. Yeah. We had the, the lunch and learn and, and um, yeah, I mean, fortunately there was a couple of uh, external and at the time, quite obscure lecturers um, and a lot of my um, alumni were a bit like, why are we having to learn about this, about um, vegetarian sled dogs and all of this, which I now, after uh, looking at what the work they're doing at um, Guelph um, uh, up in Canada, um, it all seems quite relevant around um, sled dogs and protein requirements and looking at the approach to potentially having an appropriate plant-based diet um but by and large yeah we got the we got the similar i think from my awareness the similar to the u.s model of of the big pet food companies um uh, uh, like taking on the responsibility of educating vets and sort of yeah powerpoint presentation with this is all of the macros this is uh, you just need a vitamin mineral premix and then the, the plan the therapeutic plan is feed our pet food um but fortunately for myself um i uh, grew up uh, watching my dog eat 
a whole plethora of table scraps and um, meat and bones. And, and I know obviously you have to navigate um, the risks and benefits of everything, but, um, and there's no one size fits all diet, but um, I did that and, and I did my dissertation in animal nutrition, which was actually a, a, a PhD pilot study, which I, in ruminant nutrition, which I didn't move on with doing. Um, so I kind of got into practice being like, yeah, I, I think there's more to nutrition than um, just relying on uh, a bag of um, shelf-stable, uh, highly processed food. <laughs> Great. So what's next for you? What's next? So I think that um, I'm just onboarding and mentoring some some new vets um, at All Natural. So wanting to see, get them up to uh, speed with the the to, like the totality of um, modalities that we we offer at All Natural Vet Care. Um, continue to do um, some uh, the product development for the pet food company. Um, start undertaking my master's in conservation medicine when I have a little bit more time. Um, increasingly, I'm, I've, I'm seeing um, zoo clients um, who, and I did a bit of um, uh, volunteer work in the wildlife hospital doing wildlife rehab, so quite interested in doing more of that and, and uh, bringing herbal medicine into the zoos. Um, but then the other main thing, uh, apart from having a social life and um, some work-life balance, the other thing that I'm quite keen to do is start sort of um, looking at saying, hey, it's coming up to our 20-year anniversary at All Natural Vet Care. We really need to start um, contributing more of our insights to um, uh, to the science. So uh, starting to design and talk to some people about more uh, more research around um, some herb uh, nutrient complexes and um, some microbiome manipulation techniques um, uh, and really I want to see over the next decade to start sort of really contributing to the research as much as is possible. Um, I'm conscious that uh, I don't want to be doing research that uh, would then be seen as saying, well, that was uh, industry funded, it's not independent, etc. But yeah, research, um, more work around conservation um, and really starting to um, see how I can uh, do these more diverse um, uh, roles with my vet degree um, and, and see if I can uh, link it all together. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Hey, I want to respect your time. So thanks very much for joining me. I was, it was great to hear your story and, and everything you're up to. Yeah. Thanks so much for your time and t- um, giving me the opportunity to talk to you. It's great. All right. We'll see you soon. Thanks. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of the College of Integrative Veterinary Therapies. ZIVT provides world-leading education in natural medicine, including three accredited postgraduate qualifications, industry-recognized certifications, and a wide range of evidence-based courses and webinars delivered by qualified and experienced practitioners. By bridging cutting-edge science and tradition, CIVT helps you to expand your treatment options to tackle your most challenging cases. And whether you're a veterinarian, veterinary technician or nurse, animal health professional, or someone who wants to learn more, they have the right course for you. Investigate their offerings at civtedu.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, we'd appreciate if you'd take the time to tell a friend and to give us a favorable rating on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for your support. We'll see you next time.